to episode three of the new podcast, Cloud Cadet. So Cloud Cadet, our goal is to kind of talk a little bit, bring on instructors, interview the instructors, what they're working on, some of the things we're seeing, and actually just have them provide some just generally good how-to information. So we're hoping that you get a lot of value out of this. We are hoping that you're learning how to do some things that you otherwise would not know how to do. So today what we have is we have co-host Terry Cox. Say hello, Terry. Hey, everybody. And I am co-hosting Anthony James, and we are going to be interviewing instructor Christoph, who at one point in time was a co-host as well. But today we're going to be interviewing him. Say hello, Christoph. Hey, everyone. How you doing? So today, I believe you're going to be talking about the new AWS service, relatively new. It's actually, I think, about a year old. Um, so we're going to be talking about AWS Lambda. And I believe you had just recently launched a new course called Lambda Deep Dive on LinuxAcademy.com. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. And the course isn't totally complete yet. I'm still adding more material to it. And we've got some really cool examples that I'm working on. And those are going to take a little bit more time. So I'll be adding those as time goes on. But Lambda is just is really exciting for me, and I've already used it for a few different applications. It's something you can plug in for mobile applications, for web applications, or just things like chats or just fun little examples. And the way that Lambda works is that it takes away your servers, so you don't have any of the maintenance or security or updating packages and things like that that you have to deal with when you have servers. Instead, it's event-driven code execution. And what that means is, you can configure it so that when an event occurs, it triggers the function, and that function receives the data that you passed into it, and it does something with it. It, could, it might modify it. It might just send it to another service. Like, for example, you might have Amazon SNS sending you a message. That triggers the function, and then the function takes the data and stores it in DynamoDB. Or in the example that I'm going to demonstrate today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to Pretend like Amazon SNS is sending me a message. That's going to trigger the function. And then it's going to go to my Slack channel and notify me of that event. And so just as a simple, really small example, I'm going to pretend like somebody signed up for my application and they put in their username and then they put in the amount that they paid. So say they paid $29 a month. That's going to notify me in my Slack channel. That way I can keep an eye on how many people sign up throughout the day. So I think it's just a, a neat little example, but there's so many different examples that we're going to go over on, uh, in the course. So I'm just super excited to start showing you guys about that. You know, from my understanding, I think some of those examples are you can write Lambda functions that work similar to a cron job that actually allow you to just use that to back up your EBS volumes, correct? That's right. And those are called scheduled events. And so you can use cron expressions for scheduled events so you can have them reoccur every month at a certain time during the day or every single day of the week or on weekends, just things like that. You can schedule them however you like. It sounds like we can also use Lambda to do things. Uh, for example, let's say we have part of our architecture. We're using reduced redundancy storage as Amazon S3. And we know that with reduced redundancy storage, we're getting 99.99% durability instead of 11.9% durability. And that means that objects can be lost because they're not quite as durable. So when that is lost, we know that Amazon S3 can send an event notification. Now, whether you integrate with SNS, that event notification can somehow get to Lambda, and Lambda says, hey, and go to the origin bucket and regenerate the file, which is, of course, we only use reduced redundancy storage if, we, if the data is easily reproducible. So it could be used in our architecture like that, can it not? 
That's right. And you have all kinds of different Amazon services you can use. And you have two different models. You have the push model and then the pull model. And in the course, I talk about both of them and how to set those up. But the pull model would be DynamoDB streams and Kinesis streams. So you could also pull for those streams and see if there's any changes in those streams. Whereas with S3 or something like SNS, it's a push model. So SNS or S3 notifies the Lambda function that something went on. So that's the difference between the push and the pull, where AWS Lambda in pull circumstances checks itself. And then if it sees a difference, it triggers that function or the push model that triggers the Lambda function itself. So that's a little bit of a difference in the two there. And so when people are talking about serverless architectures, they're a lot of times talking about using something like Lambda to help evoke some of the events that need to occur within an environment. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, very cool. What, what kind, tell us about the demo and the how-to, essentially, that you have for us today. Yeah, sure. So let me go ahead and, and share my screen. All right. So I'm just in my dashboard here, and I'm going to demonstrate this Slack notification using Lambda, AWS Lambda. And so I'm not even going to use SNS. And that's the beauty of Lambda. So just to to lay the foundations of this example, I'm going to be using part of the AWS dashboard and then part of my command line interface on my local machine. And the reason that I'm doing that is to show you that you can do just about everything in the dashboard on the command line interface, and it can really speed up your development. The only thing that I can think of right now that isn't supported in the command line just yet is scheduled events. So if you do want to have those scheduled events, you still have to go in the dashboard. Now, I know that Amazon is working on changing that. So hopefully by the time you hear, you listen to this video or in the next few months, they'll have changed that. So we're not going to mess with scheduled events today. We're just going to use a push event using Amazon SNS. So here you see I've got a few different functions, but I'm going to create a new one from scratch. And the reason I'm creating one is because Once I'm done testing locally, I'm going to upload the code to Amazon Web Services. So I'm going to need to have an Amazon resource name or ARN to map that to, and that's why I'm going to have to create it. But first, before we do that, I do want to mention that Amazon gives you blueprints that you can use to really speed up your your development with AWS Lambda, especially if you're just starting out and you're not too sure where to go. You know, sometimes people are intimidated by Amazon Web Services because there's so much going on. Well, this is their way of just giving you a few blueprints to play with. I'm actually going to skip this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to name the function. So this is just the configuration panel. And I'll put Slack notification, notify Slack that a user has signed up. And then here we can edit the code in line. I'm going to upload the code, as I said. So I'm just going to put a console log just so that it doesn't complain. And then scrolling down, you'll see that I have the setting for handler here. Now the handler, what that is, is the index before the period, that's the file name. So when AWS spins up a container with your function in it, it's gonna name the file index.js because I chose Node.js. I could have chosen Python or Java, but I decided to go ahead and choose uh, Node.js. And the handler itself, that's going to be our function name. So that's the way of mapping the file name to the function itself, because then Amazon is going to pass in event and context data into that function. So that's just the way of mapping it. All right. And then here we just need to put a role. Now, I'm not going to actually do anything with SNS here. 
So I'm just going to use a basic execution role. And I've already created it here. But again, you can just click on this, for example. And it's going to pop up a new window that's going to let you create a new role. But the, the basic Lambda execution role just gives basic policies to add to logs, change logs, and that sort of thing so we can monitor what's going on. So I've already created it. I'm going to exit out of here. Now, if I wanted to modify the SNS message or send something back to SNS, I would have to add that, that role, create a new role for that. But I'm not doing that in this example. All right, and then down here, we go to advanced settings and we see that we can choose the amount of memory that we want to allocate to this function. Now, the thing to remember about memory allocation is that it's not just about how much memory your function is going to use when it executes. It also has to do with the CPU resources. So the more memory you add, the more access to CPU resources you get. So sometimes it's beneficial to increase the memory even say, for example, my function only uses 35 megabytes, it may make sense to use a lot more than 128. Like we might use 1,000 megabytes or something like that. That way our function will execute faster. Maybe it's re uh, really CPU intensive. So hopefully that makes sense there. Let me know, uh, stop me if, if you want more clarification. The most granular that the resource control gets in the console is the memory, or do you have the ability to specifically, say within a JSON file, specify a CPU units or some, some such? Right now, it's just, this is all you get. You don't have any way of controlling the CPU resources just yet. I don't know if they're planning on adding that or not, but it'd be really nice if they did. So right now, all you can do is, is select how much memory you want, and so some people complain that that's a little bit of a waste because you're, you're not only paying for the execution time, but you're also paying for how much memory you're using. So that, that has a cost included to it. Building this, this function is building it within a, a container? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. So I, th this looks very similar to how Elastic Beanstalk and Docker works in terms of what the console looks like. So I, I will guess that they're going to build in the ability for you to directly edit the JSON file eventually. I would love that. That'd be great. All right. Any other mm -hmm. questions? Nope. Then we have a timeout here. And notice that these have stars next to them because they're all required. So this is where we say, hey, this function only has X amount of seconds or X amount of minutes to execute. If it doesn't execute within that time period, go ahead and stop execution. And this is a good way to avoid run on functions because especially if you're getting started or if there's a problem in your function you didn't think of, then it could execute for a really long time and that's gonna rack up a big AWS bill. So instead, you can set a hard limit that says, okay, after three seconds, I want you to stop executing. All right, so then we're gonna hit next. And this just gives you a review of what you wanna create. We're good with that, so we're gonna create the function. Okay, so now it shows you another screen where you can still edit in line or you can upload a, a zip file directly from your machine or from Amazon S3. I'm just gonna leave it like this for now. Then we could go in the configuration tab. Again, we see what we've already configured, but we can edit it. So it's not just, hey, you set it up one time, you can't change it, you can actually change it. And then if we go to event sources, you'll notice I don't have any event sources. Now, because Amazon SNS is a push model, if we wanted to enable an event source, we wouldn't actually set it up in Lambda. We would set that up using the SNS API. So if I was using the command line interface, I wouldn't look inside of 
the Lambda API, I'd look inside of the SNS API. Same thing with S3, because S3 is also a push model. Whereas, on the other hand, if it's DynamoDB or Kinesis Streams, then you would create the event source mapping inside of Lambda, and you would add the event source here. All right, and then inside of here, you have the API endpoints. I'm not going to configure any of these, but we could set this up through Amazon API Gateway. That way, we could have an application calling through uh, API Gateway and invoking this function. We're not going to do that today. And then we have a, a nice little monitoring tab where we get to see the invocation count, the duration, if you have any errors, and if you have any throttled invocations, because you do have some limits to how many concurrent functions can be executing at the same time. And then, of course, you can click this right here to view the logs in CloudWatch. Now, of course, we don't have any yet. So, OK, so now before I move on to my local machine, I do want to pull this Amazon resource name, which is the unique identifier, because we're going to need it in just a moment. Now, let's go down here and let me open up Sublime Text, because I've already created some of the files that we need. So here I, I just created a directory, Slack sign up notification, and I've got these four files in it. Let's go ahead and walk through these files. The first one is our JavaScript file. So this is just the code, the function code that I could have added in line here, but instead I decided to create locally. So this is just basic Node.js. We're requiring a few things up here. Let's see, we've got the Slack URL. Now I do have a Slack channel, and this Slack channel needs to let you post things to its API. So I've already configured that. It's a pretty straightforward process. You just go on the Slack website and you pass in your, your credentials, what channel you want to allow it for, what's inside of the channel. You can have different kinds of channels and things like that. So you can set that up pretty easily. And then we're going to pass in post parameters. And then the content type that we want to specify is application slash JSON. Okay. Now, if you remember, our handler is here. This is what we named when we configured it. So I have index.handler, which means that Lambda will look for a file called index.js and a, a handler called exports.handler, which is a function that receives an event and a context. Now, these are you receive these from AWS Lambda. So Lambda automatically passes those in to you. The event's going to hold all of our SNS attributes, and we're going to look at a sample event in a moment that we're going to use to test. And then the context gives you information like how much memory you've used, how much execution time it took, and all kinds of different useful tidbits of information that you could use in, if you wanted to. And it's also what you're going to use to stop execution using succeed or fail. So for example, if you have a problem with the function and you want to stop execution, you could use context.fail and you could pass in what happened to it. For example, here we could say that we had a, the wrong status code. We didn't expect this status code. Or if we have a succeed, we could also pass in the status code if we wanted to. In this case, I'm just saying, OK. All right, so let's back up up here just for a moment. So here I'm creating a variable called user. This variable is going to access event, then it's going to go to the first record SNS message attributes user.value. Now, what the heck does that look like? Let's take a look. I've got a sample event.json file in my Slack notification directory. And this is what I'm going to use to test. So instead of actually setting up the Amazon SNS side of things, because let's say 
I'm the developer in charge of creating the Lambda function. There's another developer in charge of the application and plugging in Amazon SNS. Well, we may not be on the same schedule. That's okay. I can still work on this function. I can still make it work. And then whenever the other developer is done with his part of the project, he can just plug it in and it already works, which is really, really beautiful in my opinion. So this is just what an event looks like. Inside of here, I've got SNS. I've got all kinds of different attributes here. Inside of that, I've got message attributes, user. So does that look familiar? If we go back to the function, records, SNS, message attributes, user.value. So in this case, the user.value is going to be Christophel employer. And then I'm doing the same thing for the message attributes.level.value, $29 a month. And I'm doing that right here with the amount, message attributes.level.value. Does that make sense so far? Mm -hmm. All right. And then all I'm doing here is creating a payload that I'm going to send to Slack. So in this case, I'm grabbing the user. I just say, user just signed up and paid X amount of dollars. And then here, I'm just creating a request where I'm going to pass in my Slack options. Yeah, everything I've set up up here. And we check the status to make sure that it's okay status. If there are any errors, we, we handle that a certain way, whatever way we want to handle it. We also can log to CloudWatch using console.log. So here, if there's a problem, I could say, this is the problem, this is the message I got back, and that way I could pull it from the CloudWatch logs and, and find it there and debug it that way. And then I just send the payload uh, using JSON and writing it here, and then I just close it up. Okay, so pretty straightforward index.js here. And then we've already looked at the event.json, which is in the same directory. Now we're going to look at the what is required for us to be able to, to debug this locally. And there are a few different ways. In this example, I'm going to use grunt. I could also use gulp. But for just for this example, let's use grunt. So I've created a grunt file. And I also have a package.json. Now I could delete this package.json and then go into my command line and do npm init to initialize it. Let me go to my folder. All right, so I'm in the same directory here. I could do npm init, press enter, and set the configurations that way. But just for sake of time, I'm going to skip that step. And I'm going to show you the developer dependencies that I've added in to make this work. I don't even have any other dependencies for this function. It's a pretty straightforward one. But I could add more dependencies and zip those up and upload it to Lambda if I needed to. Now, the developer de dependencies I need, of course, are Grunt. And then there's one called Grunt AWS Lambda. Now, you can go on Google and you can look up the documentation for that. That shows you how to set everything up. I'm going to show you how to do it, so I don't necessarily need to pull that up. But it, it's definitely a possibility. And in fact, let's go ahead and do that now. I've created gruntfile.js. Inside of this, I require Grunt. And then I load the Grunt AWS Lambda. That's why there are two dependencies. And then I just initialize the configuration. Inside of configuration, I have lambda invoke, lambda deploy, and lambda package. You'll notice that I'm registering a task called deploy. That's going to call lambda package and lambda deploy. So that means I could do gulp deploy, and it's going to call those two functions for me. Or I could call them individually using grunt lambda invoke. And that's going to call our index.js file. And by default, it's going to look for event.json 
and use that event to trigger our function and to pass it into the handler. Good so far? Absolutely, on this end, it looks pretty good. Yep. All right, great. So let's go ahead and do that, actually. Let's prove that it works, and I'm not just making this up. I'm gonna call grunt lambda invoke, and hopefully it'll work. All right, so let's lambda invoke. I can type it. Actually, that doesn't work yet because we haven't installed our dependencies. So we do need to do npm install to pull those dependencies, including grunt and the grunt AWS Lambda. And then once we do that, it just takes a few seconds. Okay, so now we can check to make sure they're there and we see we have the node modules. Let's go ahead and try that again. Great, and you see up here at the top right corner, it says Christoph just signed up and paid $29. I could keep doing that all day and it's still gonna work. I could go back to our event.json and I could try different values. So I could change this to Terry. And Terry has a little bit more money, so he's going to char be charged $50, and that's going to make me more happy than the $29. Yeah, <laughs> so we're going to call so it again. What you're saying is, is your script isn't based off of a product model. It's based off how much money you think somebody makes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. It's pretty smart. <laughs> I'm not going to show that. That's proprietary, so we can't show that in public. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, That's so what you call a magic script. <laughs> That's right. You got to sign up to Linux Academy to get access to all that good stuff. No, I'm just kidding. So as you see, I didn't even set up anything in Amazon SNS. I'm serious. You can do everything locally like this. You can fake the event, but Lambda doesn't know any different, right? So that way you can literally split the load. I'm the developer working on the Lambda function. The other developers are working on the rest of the application. Whenever they're done, they can plug it in and it works. All right. The last step I'm going to show you is that First of all, we don't have the code in the cloud yet. This is still on my local machine, right? So we still have the console log that's empty here. So what I can do now is I can type grunt deploy. Uh-oh. That's right, I forgot to add the ARN. So that's obviously not gonna work. So let me grab the ARN here. Go to my you know, grunt file. Uh -huh. It's actually great to see in terms of troubleshooting. You know, it, it's it's funny what you do. You're going through your building functions. You're working in architecture, and it's never exactly perfect. You know, part of it's just being able to recognize when you see an error message what it could be. And it was really cool that you basically instantly remembered that, hey, we need to add in the ARN. And, you know, that's what happens when you are working in, in these types of environments. There's nothing always goes according to plan. So that's actually really cool to see. Yeah, and I don't know if you just saw that or not, but I just got a notification that my disk is almost full. So we're going to wrap it up in just a little bit here. But let me go ahead and add my ARN. And I'm going to save it here. And then one other thing I forgot to mention is I am passing in a profile called Lambda East. That's just a profile for my command line interface. So I've got multiple different profiles locally here. I've got different AWS accounts. And so I created one and map the credentials to Lambda East. So if I wanted to, to call something, I would have to specify that. I would have to put profile Lambda East. If I didn't do that, then it would use my default profile. And my default profile is a different account, so that wouldn't even work. So you can see that this Grunt plugin is really nice. You can, you can really modify it however you like.
All right, so this time it should work, and let's try and see. Okay, done without errors. That's what I like to see. Let's go back here and let's refresh it. We're not actually going to see the code because we have multiple different files. And when you have multiple different files, it doesn't let you edit it in line. But obviously, it worked because it got rid of the other code. So we're good to go. And you can also verify that, uh, let's see, it created a distribution folder. So inside of that, we have zip files. And those zip files is just what the grunt package zipped up inside of our directory here, including the index.js, the grunt file, and the event.json. And then it sent that to AWS. All right. And so, yeah, uh, you just upload a zip file. In this example, I didn't have any dependencies. Like I said, we could have dependencies, and that would zip those up and send them to the cloud. And we would have those dependencies, and the function would still work. So now we could go back, and we could actually test it inside of here using configure test event. Or I could also test it from the command line again, but I'm just switching it up for you. And I could grab the exact same event, grab this, put it here, save and test. And it still worked. So that's great. You can also see the log here. This log is really nice because it shows you how long it took to execute, what you got billed for, or how long you got billed for, how much memory you allocated to it, and how much memory was actually used. So you see there's a pretty big difference in the memory size we use and how much memory was used. Now, in this case, I can't modify that because 128 megabytes is the minimum. But if we had, if we had allocated a bigger amount, we could adjust it accordingly and not get charged as much. We could also go in the monitoring tab, and we can see how many times it was invocated, how long it, it took to do it, the average time. So keep in mind, this is average, and it's you're not going to see outliers using average. So be careful of that. And then we don't have any errors, and we don't have any throttle locations. And finally, we can go in CloudWatch, and we can look at what happened in there by clicking here. And we see the same uh, the same thing. If we wanted to, we could console log more events and see that in here. Or we could pass in the event, see what kind of event it is, and get more information that way. So yeah, that's uh, that's a, uh, an overview of how Lambda works and how to plug it into something like Slack using something like SNS. So I, I have one one question at the end. Yes. Given that the this kind of a model is so different than traditional uh, infrastructure and even traditional AWS, and, and obviously that has a big effect on billing, where can I find information about how billing for Lambda takes place in, in contrast to EC2 instances, storage, those kinds of things? Yeah, sure. So one thing I, I do is just go to Google and I type in AWS Lambda pricing. And they're usually pretty transparent about how they price. So you just have to go through here and see. And the nice thing about Lambda is they give you a lot of free requests per month. You see here we have 1 million free requests per month, including 400,000 gigabyte per seconds of compute time per month. Gotcha. So you can, you can really do a lot of trial and error here before even getting charged, which is really, really nice. And then after that, we can break down how you're charged, depending on how much memory you use, how much time you're used, et cetera. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. That's thanks. That's great. Thanks, Christoph. Just real quick, why we why we kind of wrap it up? Just a few questions. That what you just made available is that done in in your course on LinuxAcademy.com? Absolutely, it is. Yes. 
And so can you summarize any more about what somebody might learn on that course? The whole course overall? Uh-huh. I walk through concepts. So we start out with core concepts because you know serverless architecture is a little bit different. It takes a little bit of a different mindset when you're approaching it and solving problems. So we go over that. We go over event-driven fundamentals and like understanding what the push model versus pull model is. We also go over limitations of Lambda. So, I mean, this is great for certain cases, but you still need servers sometimes. Or there's also a few gotchas with Lambda. There are not that many, just a few that we go over. But I do outline those so that you understand what we're going into. And then after that, we just walk through setting everything up through the dashboard, so the AWS dashboard. And then after that, we walk through doing the same things using the command line interface. And we actually do a little bit more with the command line interface because it gives you a little bit more flexibility as it usually does. And so we walk through all those. And then finally, to wrap it up, we go through some real-world use cases. So in this case, I mean, you could definitely use this. You could take the code that I'm going to make available in the course that I just showed you in this lesson. You could plug it into your application, and you could have notifications go into your Slack channel within, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes or so. It's pretty easy. And then we have another example with S3 and uh, a few other services that I'm really excited to have you see. Thank you for that. And we could just do a little bit of a shameless plug here real quick. So you're you're basically, you started with Linux Academy January 4th, and you started as basically what you do is AWS development and courses around AWS development. What are some of those courses that we can look forward to throughout the rest of this quarter? Well, one of the courses is with DynamoDB. And so I didn't, this example didn't have anything to do with DynamoDB. But there's definitely a lot you can do. I mean, you can store all kinds of different information. Let's say, for example, you have games. You could use Lambda to have events trigger a Lambda function that stores something in DynamoDB. Or you can use DynamoDB by itself without having to worry about Lambda as well. So we're going to take a look at both of those. And I'm going to try to add examples in the Lambda course that work with DynamoDB. And then vice versa, go through a, a DynamoDB deep dive and then tie in Lambda sometimes just to show you how they, they, both of them can kind of work. So that's one of the courses, DynamoDB. And then some of the other courses that I'm going to work on include using different SDKs. So PHP, Python, Ruby SDKs. Also going to work on some stuff with mobile applications. And then finally going to do something with code deploy. So those are all courses I'm really looking forward to finishing and adding to Linux Academy. That's great. We appreciate you taking the time. Terry, thank you for taking the time. Everybody, thanks for taking the time for episode three of Cloud Cadet. We have more coming. Stay tuned. Thank you so much. Thank you.